Hello, and welcome to a very special, not bonus episode, but just a very special episode of Into the Aether, a low-key video game podcast. My name is, and forever will be, maybe, Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger, and I'm here in the Big Apple in person, okay, (laughs) one night only. This is great. I, I, it's been it's been a dream all day, but I am very thankful to be fully vaccinated and to have made a trip to New Jersey. And I'm here with Brendan in real life. And yeah. it's a, a dream come true. I, I, it's hard to believe that it's been as long as it has since yeah. you and I were in the same room recording a podcast. I think I think that when the, was last, the last time <laughs> games of the year 2019 2019 at AJ's house. Yeah, who has like a he had like a two mic setup. Yeah. We're we're doing the like retro. This is a very retro episode. Yeah, uh, we're doing a one mic sharing. Very intimate. Right. Uh, it's cool. I'm yeah. Into it. I ca- I came to visit you in Chicago for C two E two, which is like a big comic book convention. Um, that was like February, like the end of February, and yeah. then like a week or two later, there were like pandemic. Everything's closed. Yeah. And that was the last time I saw you in person until yeah. today. Yeah, it's it's which is shocking. <laughs> it's shocking. It's cool though. And now we're in the same room. I'm drinking an old fashioned. I'm drinking an Allagash White. Yeah, which is my favorite beer. Uh, wait, wait, should we clink? Cheers. Right next to the mic, just you know, for... <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, look, let's be honest. Like, excuse uh, the audio, whatever. Like, it's not going to sound as good as normal. But also, um, I don't we thought know. it'd be fun. It's like yeah. so rare. I mean, like even before the pandemic, I'm only able to be home like a few times a year. Right. So like we, you know, in the first couple seasons, we would record like a couple episodes together. We try to do Goody together. I imagine we'll do that again. Yeah. This year and have like a more dedicated setup. But this is sort of like an unplugged, like chill <laughs> vibe. So. Yeah, it's exciting. So uh, I, I, w- I went and drove to Jersey to pick you up today. Thank you for doing that. Uh, yeah, of course. You uh, saved me from the purgatory of Secaucus Junction. <laughs> Secaucus Junction, which yeah. is a train station uh, that is, I don't know, infamous. It's like, fun. like if you went there and passed you'd be like, oh, it's a nice train station. But like, there was a year of my life where I was there like constantly. Yeah. Because I was like working several jobs that were all in different parts of New York and yeah. New Jersey. And I would just be, I remember, this sums it up. The only thing in the junction is like a strange statue of a tree. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a closed Sabaro, like a general store. That's like your one beacon of safety. Yeah. And then a bar that I'm convinced if you go to, you become a statue. Uh, <laughs> you become a leaf on the yeah, statue. You become tree. a leaf on the statue of the tree. Uh, <laughs> I remember I was there once. It was like 4 a.m. Or yeah. Maybe not 4, but it was like I was waiting for like the last train somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I fell asleep like on top of my luggage. And this guy shook me to wake me up. And he went, How do I get out of here? <laughs> and I didn't know. I was like, Unless you take a train, I actually don't know how you like walk out of here. <laughs> so I'm convinced it's purgatory. Um, so, August as a place, perfectly fine. But the junction. It's like the aorta of realms. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a lot. It's uh, it's a really horrible. So you spared place. me from that. Yeah. And then we immediately went to a diner where I noticed, and this, I, we bring this up. I feel like this is like, this. we have to bring it up literally every time we mention we go to a diner. But um, they did not bring us coleslaw. No. Unprompted. They walked by with a lot of coleslaw that I thought was coming our way. And I was like, oh, here it is. Can't wait to bring this up on the show. Yeah, later. we dodged two bullets. Statue leaf and coleslaw. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, then we came back here. We're in Brooklyn, New York. It's uh, beautiful. And uh, the first thing that we did <laughs> when you showed up, you hadn't seen the PS5 in person. No. So I, I brought it out from my office into like the living room and I, I hooked it up to the TV and you sat down and played through, which is some, I just want to be clear. I didn't even do this. Yeah. But you sat down and played through all of Astra's playroom in one sitting. Yeah, I did it. I, I, I completed the playroom. <laughs> and then you ate a big cookie. And I ate, <laughs> I ate a big, you're infantilizing me <laughs> as you invite me over. Um... <laughs> Yeah, man. So, again, first time I've seen a PS5. Um, it's huge. They don't lie. Yeah. The thing is a big system. It's the size of my torso. Yeah. Your apartment is in your PS5. <laughs> Um, and Astro's Playroom. And uh, Astro's Playroom, for those who don't know, I think comes with the PS5. It's basically like Sony's Wii Sports was to the Wii yeah. what Astro's Playroom is to the PS5 in terms of largely being like a free tech demo. I heard a lot of positive praise for Astro's Playroom. I saw it like in a lot of people's like best of 2020 like games lists. Like yeah. not even like, oh, it's a fun demo. Like this is actually a great game. 
Yeah. And uh, as someone who played through all of it in one sitting and then ate a giant cookie, and I mean big, it's as big as the PS5. Um, <laughs> it's like a hamburger size. It's a really incredible game. I oh, mean, I thought I, you were talking about the cookie. <laughs> the, the cookie was incredible too. Astro's Playroom, though, like, we kept saying the whole time that, like, it has a lot of Nintendo esque charm, but, like, the whole game, you're, you're playing as these, like, little robots that I had seen in the VR Playroom, which was, like, I guess their first appearance. Yeah. But, like, the the game is basically, like, you go through this series of levels that, like, all sort of show off some different functionality of the PS5 controller, which like, I kind of knew going in. But it really is amazing. Like, there's one level that largely is, like, sensory. So, like, it's raining, and at one point, like, a little umbrella pops over your head, and you feel the rain hit the umbrella um, like droplets at a time, which is like very impressive. Yeah. One of the things I noticed most, like in the playroom, where like as you play the game, you unlock artifacts that are just like old Sony hardware, and like past the actual systems, you and I can name like two, and then it's like <laughs> here's the modem for the PSP. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it what? Like, yeah, there was one that was literally a GPS. You plug into the top of your PSP. It was like if you ever get lost, it's like yeah. who bought this? Yeah, who bought the? It's like huge too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So that's kind of funny, but, like, honestly, the the charm of it made me realize, like, I, I think the best way I can describe this game is I felt like I was being brainwashed in the best way possible. Like, I was like, <laughs> oh, man. The, the robots are just, like, whoever designed them has, like, a criminal understanding of, like, human psychology. <laughs> and they're just so adorable. Yeah. Every time Astro would turn and wave at the camera, you and I would both go, oh, hello. Yeah. Like, oh, hi. Can I help you? <laughs> oh. <laughs> can, I, can I love you? What can I teach you? Um, nothing, man. I'll teach you to play the ps5 <laughs> later um <laughs> but uh so the sensory stuff was cool but what i didn't expect was like how like solid of just like a platformer it was yeah and like weirdly like ramps up the difficulty without you expecting like it's not a hard game by any stretch right but like it's marketed in a way like we sports where it's like anyone can pick this up and then it like winks at celeste in like the end level <laughs> stuff right which is very funny but yeah, 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 yeah man i i loved it and what you and i really enjoyed was like as you go through the levels, there are, like, robots holding video cameras, like, videotaping another robot pretending to be a character from one of Sony's IPs. I don't know. It just made me realize, like, how many games I'm looking forward to. Like, I think you and I have been so vocal about, like, how disappointing the PS5... Well, not how disappointing the system has been, but, like, how there are just no games for it. Yeah. And, like, how we kind of disagree sometimes with, like, Sony's approach. But, like, there was literally, like, a Gravity Rush robot. And I'm like, God, don't tease me with that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like... I don't know. It just it was cool. At, maybe less like a, I am so thankful for Sony as a brand, but more like I have a lot of the positive memories with these systems yeah. and like with these games and like that's it. It felt very celebratory in a way that I thought was fun. Yeah, my my first experience playing Astro's Playroom was kind of similar in that it was just shocking how much emotional tissue I had built up in my body yeah. for this brand that I didn't really consider to be one that had like really strong first party IP, you know, like sure. when you think video games and first party IP, the first thing that comes to mind is is Nintendo. Right. Um, but Astro's Playroom is weirdly like Sony just kind of flexing and being like, not only are we aware that we have this like great stuff, but you might not even be aware of it. And we're going to celebrate it in a way that like Nintendo won't even celebrate. We were talking as we were playing that like, you know, Nintendo's version of celebrating its IP is having a 35th anniversary for uh, the Mario franchise where you can only buy three of the games for two months and then you can never buy them again. <laughs> right. Meanwhile, here's, you know, Sony having like a Gravity Rush 2 homage in their, in yeah. their like free pack in game that like honestly didn't need that. It, there didn't. No. You could have released Astro's Playroom without any of that stuff in it, without any like mention of previous Sony hardware or, or franchises or whatever. And, like, it still would have been good just on the merit of the gameplay and, and the mechanics of how the PS5 controller works. Yeah. Um, but that extra oomph that they added to it, that extra, like, emotive layer, like, really does propel it from being, like, just a cool pack-in game that's, like, a fun tech demo to, like, actually a really great video game. Yeah, I, I was shocked by it. I mean, and there's, you know, I think some, like, there are four levels, and, like, one is, like, fine. Like, one is sort of, like, what you expect it to be. Yeah. And then two are, like, shocking, like... 
Mario Galaxy level quality. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's one where you're like in this sort of like sci-fi city that ends up going to space. I enjoyed how the levels all kind of like logically followed into a different setting. Mm-hmm. So there's one where it's like a big meadow and then it becomes like you're in like a stormy sky and like yeah. clouds everywhere. There's one that's like a beach that turns into like a uh, like a snow-capped mountain. Yeah. Um, in like a weirdly natural way. And then if you beat all the levels, you have to fight a giant dinosaur, which was like <laughs> interesting. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, like honestly, playing Astro's Playroom in one sitting eating a giant cookie coupled with like all the games coming out next week for context for just ps5 there's the uh yuffie chapter for ff7 remake and then there's ratchet and clank rift apart and uh guilty gear strive which is coming out for other systems but like i want to play it on ps5 yeah it just seems like i I usually like that controller for fighting games Mm. so like there's suddenly like an interest for me to get the system that's not just like well it's the new one right which is interesting and you know is probably like an element of this game strategy of like oh you'll play with your friends and then they'll buy a ps5 and then they'll be like i want to go back and buy a modem for my psp (laughs) (laughs) um but uh yeah i i thought it was i thought it was incredible i kind of like hope they do more with this as a series like i feel like there's like weirdly a lot of potential to like make this like the sony platformer yeah imagine you know? getting the 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 gig to make astro's playroom you know like whatever studio yeah. it was um I, I forget the name of the studio unfortunately but whatever the studio was that like got to make astro's playroom and was like commissioned to do that imagine like knocking it out of the park so hard that people are like oh wait what if this like free pack and wii sports thing was actually an entire franchise which weirdly is what happened with wii sports also right, right? they got the summer resort game yeah exactly uh, which <laughs> it's so funny that it's like wii sports came out it's like tennis baseball whatever okay cool we want more of this and it's like did you want to play like sword fighting game where you fight hundreds of me's in like a kill bill <laughs> arena it's like not really i guess i'll play it yeah we sports summer resort was great it was a good time yeah uh asher's playroom is is one of those things that like just feels like it shouldn't exist and be as good as it is um and uh i'm i'm glad it i'm glad it does because it really does make for like a wonderful like oh you've you haven't seen the ps5 which this is the first time i've been able to show anyone the yeah. ps5 but it was like oh you haven't seen it yet you'd be interested in it i want you to feel what the dual sense feels like and see how you like it's really cool clock it and and man that game really shows off like the depth of what that console can do because like there's like disparate areas where they just show off how cool ray tracing is there's one moment where they give you a bow and arrow that's like oh here's just a preview of what horizon zero dawn is going to feel like yeah you mentioned there was one part where they give you a machine gun that's like oh this is just going to be ratchet and clank right like this is that whole video game just like condensed into one level it really works it's really cool and to see sony acknowledge all these games that like aren't even all first party ip like there's one moment that you and i clocked where there was uh there was a bunch of people sitting around a campfire playing uh monster hunter freedom unite i think was the one that was on the psp which was like the big hit on the psp that was like why people bought a psp was for monster hunter and it was cool to see them acknowledge that and like yeah it was just cool to see like a bunch of like third party stuff you know or like tekken was there too yeah there was like a tekken thing in there like that i I love that i love that they're they're not just because you know if if nintendo did a thing like this they would only show like the the mario stuff and the zelda stuff and like the mario kart stuff and like for sony to be like no 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 our appeal and our reach isn't just the stuff that we make in-house is like yeah obviously that's all like that's awesome to acknowledge the reality of that situation yeah i mean i feel like the closest nintendo gets to that is like smash brothers you know right yeah but um yeah yeah, even then like i I think you're right yeah but i i I had a wonderful time with it it's also funny too because like i feel like sometimes when brands try to have like their own like universe ensemble it can feel kind of nauseating in the wrong hands yes you know like, i mean look look at like sony fucked this up with with all-stars play, yeah. playstation all-stars battle royale i think was the name. it's like did i really like i get that like there's a version of this where like solid snake fighting sonic is similar to raiden fighting Prappa the rapper <laughs> but there's something about yeah. that game and like i think really what did it for me is like there just are a lot more photorealistic or going for realism characters yeah. in all-stars and then they did this thing where they had the levels also be mismatches yeah it was like mashups between like god of war and yeah. like and like kill zone so you would be in like <laughs> the town of Prappa the rapper and you would see metal gears like walking around and that yeah. was like nauseating right somehow. yeah it felt like you know ready player one dystopia you yeah, know where it's yeah, like exactly. i hate this right yeah. like why is the iron giant here no <laughs> sense. Yeah, yeah get the iron giant away from uh, the, the iron giant 
Bran's whole thing is that he doesn't want to fight. Right. Why is he in that? Why is he in that big battle scene? Unfortunate. Um, yeah. And yeah. And having like the the loco roco like blob fighting like a horrifying like robo fascist from Killzone is like the most off putting shit in a way that like Smash Brothers would never go near. But yeah. Anyway, point being, like, yeah. it's hard to do something like this, and like Astro's Playroom weirdly doesn't even advertise that that's what it's going to be, and you get into it just like a fun surprise. I think it's because it's like I think you can sense the like gratitude almost where yeah. it's like here you know even though you find the artifacts there's like flavor text that kind of pokes fun at them you right. know yeah there's one that, that there's one for the uh the like uh light gun that they made specifically for resistance fall of man for the ps3 yeah. and it's like met a lot of resistance is the flavor text <laughs> part, which like both that was the only game that they used it for and nobody liked it yeah but i mean it was cool at the end of each level it seems like each level is for the ps1 ps2 three four and like they'll play the startup sound for the system like you'll climb like a mountain or tvs that are like playing the ps1 startup sound like again this sounds very like oh cool but like if you grew up hearing that sound like it really does take you back for real yeah even as someone i didn't even have a ps1 but hearing that sound and see because also the sky in those ending moments is whatever the the uh, home screen like background was yeah and it's just so beautiful and like weird i i got nostalgic about like the ps3 symphonic startup sound In a way that I didn't expect. And I'll be honest, I am definitely a person who, like, has looked into the history of and is a huge nerd about startup sounds for, like, not only consoles, but also, like, operating systems. Maybe I'll link in the show notes my my whole thread about, like, rejected Windows startup sounds because that was a whole rabbit hole I went down one day. But anyway... and ending those segments with those startup sounds and with those home screens was like just so beautiful. The PS2 one really fucked me up. Yeah. Honestly. That's, that's the big one. Yeah. Yeah. Astro's Playroom rules, man. It's I, cool. I, really like it. I wish I could recommend it more. I mean, because like you're, you're going to get it if you have a PS5 and chances are you don't have a PS5. So right. It's like kind of a weird game so to talk about. So how are you going to get it? Yeah. But um, it's it's a lot of fun. And I think it's also like really fun to like switch off with friends. Yeah. I, I was selfish and played most of it myself. I wanted but, you to. Yeah. Um, It was a great time. And it weirdly sold me on, like, I, I wasn't really doubting the potential of the controller, but it was cool to see the potential of it. And I yeah. wonder how much it's going to be utilized. I feel like the, yeah. the touchpad's never going to be used. Like, it just will never happen. The only time the touchpad has ever been cool is Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. It's the only time anybody's ever used it in a cool way. Yeah. I, I guess for context, if you haven't played that game, if you swipe up on the touchpad you are essentially like blowing the wind in the direction of whatever objective you're searching for. And like when you do that, the wind blows in the game. Uh, It's really gorgeous and really cool. I don't mind it as a map or like as a button. Yeah. Um, Gravity Rush 2 really tried to use it. Eventually you get like different gravity like boots and you can like swipe in a direction to switch them and Mm. it just doesn't, like it's fine, but like I'd rather just hit like L2 to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, But anyway, honestly, it would have been better to like this probably would have made the game trickier, but like the whole game is about shifting the direction of gravity. If you just swipe in that direction, that could have been fun. But oh, totally, yeah, that would have been more of if it was like a DS game. <laughs> right. There were there were some rumors I remember around when the PS5 and Xbox Series launched that Phil Spencer was considering adding some of that like haptic feedback. And, and adaptive trigger stuff to like a future Xbox controller, which I thought was really interesting. Like we don't want to upgrade the hardware. We want to upgrade the controller specifically to like match the dual sense, um, which like if you know anything about Phil Spencer and just the way he's run Xbox, like he is very much not like a Xbox is the best and, and Microsoft rules and we all love making billions of dollars here at Microsoft. <laughs> Um, Don't but, you love Teams <laughs> and Skype and Skype? <laughs> Remember what is Zoom? Skype is great. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, his whole deal is just like, yeah, I love the whole industry and like the best ideas like should propel the whole industry forward. And I remember him giving a really good interview about the DualSense specifically and being like, yeah, they unlocked like a lot of capabilities that I wish we could do on the Xbox and like I'd love to match that and allow like third party developers to utilize that across every video game because like Nintendo already has a version of that with uh, the HD Rumble stuff going on the Joy Con. That's true, yeah. There's no reason why we shouldn't also match that quality. So I'd love to see, like, maybe the next Xbox Elite controller will happen. Like, the Xbox Elite controller 3 will come out and, like, have some version of that as just, like, a hint of what's to come. And then, like, maybe, like, a mid-gen hardware refresh of the Xbox series will have that, like, built into the stock controller. Yeah, Um, that makes sense. That'd be really cool. I just, I would love to see... After feeling what the dual sense is like and 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 feeling it in like the best way, like Returnal is just like an incredible example of yeah, how I well that controller works. Um I would love to see that like feature parody on the Xbox. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be cool.
cool. And I think also, I think that would enable third-party developers, like Phil Spencer said, to... Like, you would see those features in Astro's Playroom be utilized more in all games because it's not just, like, a one-off thing the team has to make it work for. Right. That's why the Wii had such bad third-party support because, like, suddenly they had to worry about motion controls even if that wasn't the intended design. And then the Wii U was, like, another step in the wrong right. direction <laughs> on that one, where it's like, oh Can my god. Put it on two screens? Yeah. Like, what, what the fuck am I supposed to do with the second thing? And, like, the amount of games that actually use that second screen in a way that, like, made sense and was cool and good. Just like, like Mass Effect 3? <laughs> Mass Effect 3 <laughs> and, like, I guess, like, Batman Arkham City, like, put the inventory there. Like, that was, like, really the only thing you yeah. could do. It was, like, you could put the inventory there in a game that had inventories, but if your game didn't have an inventory screen, like, what were you supposed to do? Yeah, it was bizarre. I can't get over the fact that only Mass Effect 3 is on the Wii U. That this We've talked about this before, but yeah. as I'm replaying the trilogy, I'm like, can you imagine just getting the final installment, no ability to upload your save <laughs> on the Wii U? It's so silly. Yeah. Yeah. I think what they were trying to do with the Wii U's launch is to, is to be like, see, we can run the same games as the other systems, but, like, that's not why we're getting a Nintendo system. Yeah. Know your strengths. Know your strengths, baby. Flaunt it if you got it. Yeah. It, weirdly, I think we like alluded to, to this, and by we, I mean I. Um, the royal we. Yeah, at, at the end of the last episode, um, that like there were a lot of rumors pointing to the Switch Pro getting announced this week, and like here we are at the end of the week, and like it sure did not get announced. Yeah. So I'm very interested to see what's going on because there was a leak earlier today, and by leak I mean uh, like Atlas like updated their website by accident for like five seconds, and of course that meant that everybody like immediately took screenshots and uploaded it everywhere else, <laughs> and, like, like ran news stories about it. But yeah. uh, Atlas updated their website for Shin Megami Tensei 5 and it was like here's the release date which is November 11th and on top of that uh, there, there was like a, a weird allusion to like it's available on all the latest hardware being like okay well it's a Switch exclusive so that probably means the latest hardware being the Switch Pro so like mm. all avenues are pointing to the Switch Pro maybe by the time this episode comes out it will have been announced and we'll yeah. have seen it but I'm just I like I think at the very least E3 we'll hear about it yeah uh, well that's the thing is the E3 announcement specifically says like we're only showing software oh so like where is the hardware side of it because like there are non-rumors like just like confirmed reports that the thing is in develop like it's being yeah. manufactured currently because they want to hit the end of the year so like where's the announcement for it very curious yeah very curious i feel like it has to come before e3 because i feel like a lot of those developers are going to want to announce that their games are supporting the Switch right. pro yeah um and like making use of that new stuff because like i imagine if capcom has any announcements over the course of you know however many weeks uh, e3 lasts with like e3 and summer games fest and like just whatever the fuck is happening yeah. they're gonna want to be like yeah monster hunter rise has like a switch pro support mode you know that like bumps up the resolution or frame rate or something like i'm sure all of these companies are going to want to announce that their games that they're like continuing to support or that are coming out later will have some kind of like improved resolution or something i'm just like dying for e3 to happen i just like want to truly steven i think where i'm at is i just want to stop fucking hearing about this thing <laughs> like there's so many rumors and i i of the two of us i'm the person who's like so deep embedded in that like online yeah. community of people who are like scouring for that kind of stuff i like follow all the right twitter accounts i'm on all the right websites like i know all the places where this stuff happens and i see so much shit about the switch pro and it all pointed to this week and it didn't happen and i'm just like sick of hearing about it i feel the same way about iphones like i'm like <laughs> we're already hearing shit about the next iphone like i don't want to hear about it i, yeah. I like the one i have currently and that's yeah, i feel that way about my phone for like five years basically <laughs> when i get the new one yeah I, I i just want the new i just want the switch pro to get announced anyway that said shimigami tensei 5 very excited i'm very excited for that you and i weren't planning on talking about it this week even though we alluded to it last week and then i think that wasn't the plan but you and i've been playing a little bit of shimigami tensei 3 nocturne on the switch yeah we don't have to like super go into it but what do you think I like it a lot so far. So um, I guess to kind of just go over it real quick, uh, Shin Megami Tensei is like a long-running uh, RPG series from Japan that like I think goes back to like the 80s. And uh, it's basically the origin of Persona. So like initially Persona was a spinoff of SMT, Shin Megami Tensei. And Persona, I think, has become more popular since. Yeah. So it's kind of a strange thing. But basically what they share is um, all the Personas... 
that you can summon in the Persona games and like a lot of the monsters you fight and you know interact with that are all kind of based on folklore and religions are the same demons that you find in SMT. The major difference is like it's much more focused on the dungeon crawling part of it. Mm-hmm. Like Persona is like half life sim, half dungeon crawling. Maybe even like 75% life sim, 25% dungeon crawling at yeah. sometimes. Yeah. SMT is like just dungeons. And I knew that going in. So I wasn't like, why can't I go to the cafe? Oh, the world is ending. <laughs> um, <laughs> or in this case, the world has already ended. Yeah. In a which, very big way. Yeah. Um, so I'm really enjoying, I think like having the knowledge of Persona has helped me because like I know what certain moves mean and I know like certain monsters already. Yeah. Um, and similar to Dragon Quest V, basically you play as like a human character who, depending on your actions in battle, you can recruit monsters to fight alongside you. So it's kind of like Pokemon, but like actually satanic. You know, like when people like were... for real. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I think that's what I'm enjoying about it, uh, is that it's satanic. Uh, but, you know, I think <laughs> I really love the atmosphere. Like, even though the story is, like, much lighter than Persona, and that, like, the cutscenes are much more purposeful, like, there isn't, like, a ton of dialogue. A lot of it is really just dungeon crawling. Yeah. But the mood of the game is so effective because, like, it starts where most jrpgs end Mm -hmm. where like there's a you know villainous man in a chair going like the world must be reborn yeah you know usually like you stop that from happening right but that's like the inciting event of the game yeah it's literally the first moment right away right yeah yeah either the way those stories go is either you hear that person in the beginning and then you work the entire way towards stopping them or they say that right before they do the bad thing and then you reverse it immediately yeah and in this case it's like you're just a kid who like goes to a hospital to go visit somebody and you walk into the wrong room and a guy's like the world must be reborn you're like what the fuck are you and talking teacher's about like he's actually kind of right but i'll make sure you're okay <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and and the world and the world ends everywhere except for the hospital that you're standing in and it is like mortifying it's weird because the game is like partially camp in a yeah, way it is but but is also like just so fucking dark it is in a yeah. way that i like was kind of expected because I'd heard that that was the case with SMT versus Persona, like that that they really lean into just like really heavy shit and explore some like really heavy themes. Yeah. And like I am feeling that in a very big way in what I've played so far. I've only played like maybe three or four hours so far. Yeah. But outside of like the story, the thing that I was most interested in, weirdly, and this is the thing I didn't really realize about our podcast until I heard other people talk about it recently. Um, shout out to Nick Qua from Hot Pod who mentioned our show on another show recently. But uh, I, I'm very focused on mechanics in a way. Way I never thought I was and the and weirdly enough the reason I was so interested in checking out SMT3 is I had heard that this was where they figured out what the persona combat was going to be yeah and then just like copy pasted it into persona when they started to work on that franchise and this is like the birth of them figuring that out which like I think you were kind of alluding to with the Dragon Quest thing where like Dragon Quest like three four five was when they kind of like solidified exactly what that was going to be going forward and they really haven't changed it a lot since yeah um it's amazing how good the combat feels the turn-based combat specifically in in smt3 uh compared to everything else uh or at least like compared to what i was expecting you know playing a game from the playstation 2 that like being ported to modern consoles as a person who does not or i I still feel new to turn-based stuff SMT3 like feels great to play. Still. That's good to hear. Yeah. Just like running around those dungeons. My big complaint is that it feels very PS2E in that I'm just running around dungeons and like there's not a whole lot going on by way of story in between like hours of dungeon combat. Yeah. And, like I just I just need a little bit more of a narrative push to keep going. That's like the one thing holding me back. It's why I'm so excited about five because five I feel yeah. like a modern a modern take on that. Like they've taken all of that input from like years and years of like what worked from SMT and what worked from Persona and like I'm sure because this is the first one they're releasing worldwide on all pl- or I guess on a platform worldwide like they know and want this to be like the first big SMT like hit hit yeah you know I think that makes sense I mean I've also heard great things about 4 on the 3DS which I kind of want to pick up now mm-hmm. because like that seems to be like actually more of an entry point than 3 is yeah. arguably yeah but 3 is also like the big one like if you look at like what are considered yes. the best smt games which is like what we were talking about last week with dragon quest 3 being the one that they're remaking and like yeah. that's the one that hit so that's why they're remaking it um yeah. 
I think what works about three in terms, I think you're right that like there, there's a loose, even though like it opens such a big event and basically like the way the world is after the fact and what you said about it being camp is like everyone died except for you and a few friends and you seem to be a demon (laughs) who will shape the fate of the world. And they kind of throw that at you like jokingly, like you, it's like, I hear about this demi fiend that can shape the world based on what they want it to be. You kind of look like him actually. I'm probably just dreaming. Right. And the person who talks, who, who tells that to you, is a dead soul. It's like, <laughs> and it seems yeah. like like everyone who died is a soul, and they simultaneously seem kind of in their own realm, but also aware that there are demons. So yes. like, yes, the whole world is now in this sort of sphere. And there's like an eye on the top. Yeah, it feels it. weirdly very Inception. You know, like years yeah. and years before Inception happened, it, that that famous scene that everybody always like alludes to, where the world kind of folds yes. in on itself. That that is like very literally what happens in the whole world, or I guess a, a small, not even the whole world, but a small piece of Tokyo kind yeah. of falls in on itself, and the rest of the world just gets obliterated immediately. But this small radius of Tokyo turns into essentially like an inverse sphere. Yeah, yeah. What I find really cool though is like I think that it's very creepy, and I think like yeah. it's a good mix. Like the camp largely comes from like the demons kind of being silly sometimes, and like in the combat, which I think keeps it kind of fresh, is that like you can talk to the demons instead of attacking them kind of like undertale undertale definitely borrowed that feature from smt yeah and that's how you can potentially recruit them but like they all have kind of like and <laughs> we didn't even mention that yeah, yeah. It's, it's pokemon <laughs> pretty much yeah. yeah you can talk to them and and they may or may not join your team and the, the conversations in the passing moments are like lighthearted in the way of like random npcs in an rpg kind of knowing they're in a game almost yes yes um but then you'll run into uh like you survive but you're a demon and the other survivors were like the guy and the teacher uh who orchestrated this whole event seemingly and then your two friends who are just still human right and they each have very different views of like what to do with their lives now right which is really cool um and there's also this reporter who was like a journalist for like an occult magazine who is who was like oh shit i was right i was yeah, right was like, i was right fuck i wrote a, a, a this was like my my beat was like yeah. you know cult shit and I, I guess i'm still here um and <laughs> where i'm pretty early on this isn't a huge spoiler but eventually you find like like a demonic version of the internet basically oh wow so i'm like running through like weird information highways that like you see all this red light running through the walls and and the floors and at first you just think it's like oh it's like energy or electricity or something but then you learn that all those red lights are the weird like demon worms that was put in you to make you a demon oh my god this is like hundreds of them running through so like just like the settings are so weird like that like the first one's like you're just in a hospital and it's like fine yeah but like i find that what keeps it from feeling monotonous is one if you know what you're getting into it's a dungeon crawler like that's the focus and i think like you'll enjoy it if you go in with like that appetite like, okay i'm just gonna like this is actually probably a pretty good podcast game honestly even though it's like kind of creepy totally agree because um, yeah. the music is is fine like i think it's effective at the atmosphere but like weirdly enough they didn't update the quality of it for the switch port so it sounds like you're on a ps2 yeah um which like works and doesn't um but like i think you could probably and this is so weird you know compared to persona where like, the music is like the starring element like yeah i think you could probably play this like as like a you know i'm just sort of grinding and exploring a dungeon while i'm listening to something else kind of game but then like fully tune in when someone shows up yes but yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I mean, that's kind of all I have to say so far. If we get farther in, I'd love to bring it up again. Um, yeah. And I'm definitely, like, interested in seeing more of this series. I think what's really interesting, too, is, like, you know, my, my experience with the Persona series has, has only been three, four, and five. And, like, from what I know of Persona 2, it's, like, very much, like, SMT all over the place in terms of tone. Right. Um, but three is, like, a really perfect hybrid of, like, what you want from a modern Persona game, mm-hmm. but, like, still has that almost kind of, like... I don't even know what to compare it to. I mean, I've seen a lot of people uh, cite Evangelion in terms of just, like, the unsettling atmosphere. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's definitely a clear influence, but, like, I think it is... Also, like, the campiness kind of, like, levels it a bit. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. I, look, uh, I don't know how much more of this I'm going to play, honestly. I, I kind of picked it up on a whim yeah. in anticipation of SMT5. I just kind of wanted a little bit of, like, context for it. Yeah. Um, what I will say, though, is that if you are, like, inter- if you... You know, don't know if you want to play this and, and you're kind of on the fence. I would recommend uh, there's a really great piece. Maybe I'll link this in the show notes uh, from Gita Jackson yes. over at Vice. Yeah. Did you read it also? It's, yeah. I mean, incredible it's piece. just yeah. like an unbelievable piece about this game and, and her experience uh, playing it growing up. And also uh, 
she's on the Waypoint radio podcast talking about that piece and and just what it's like to play this game now that are both just like incredible. She also she describes the like PS2-iness of it really well yes. where it's like very much a time capsule of like games of that era in both, you know, a good and bad way. Yeah. Um but if you want more about like the narrative and like the sort of like what the game is tackling thematically, it's a great piece to read. Yeah, it's it's really great. And yeah. and, and makes me wish that I like had the like time or energy yeah. to put into it but like we're playing a billion yeah i'm not sure if i'll finish it but i'm like glad that because i was kind of worried i'm like do i just like persona like am i not an smt fan either yeah, yeah. and i think i am i think i will probably get four next and like see if that like interesting either yeah. feels the same or if i like it more there's also uh devil summoner 2 i think there are so many. I have no idea. And the numbers even don't even matter because, like, <laughs> you know, they're not actually four or two. It's like a Resident Evil scenario. Oh, yeah. Um, like, there's one, like, all... I think the first one was, like, on the Famicom, like, back in the day. Oh, wow. So, it goes I back. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's a, it's a very old series. That's um, awesome. So, It's yeah. amazing that they're only on five, then. I mean, but yeah, there's, like, dozens of yeah. games. I just mean, like, in terms of main numbered ones. Right. Yeah. That, <laughs> They've like... been patient. Yeah. Yeah, every, every decade. Wow. They, uh... I'm excited for five. Me, too. I think it's going to be cool. Yeah. And I wonder, like... I wonder now if my if my head canon is correct or my head canon my theory that like Persona Five Strikers is them trying out real time combat for Persona mm. like you know as that series becomes like sort of the flagship like main attraction yeah if they would go almost like an FF Seven R approach where they're like intertwining the two and then they have SMT as like this is the like classic kind of like the based. the recent yakuza shift yeah where, where where like a dragon kind of like introduced turn-based combat right really enough, opposite, and, yeah, yeah and, and flipped it and now judgment is their like if you want the the real-time combat like you stick with the judgment games yeah and yakuza is now turn-based i just think it'd be interesting because i think that like persona has now at this point like unless there were the same monsters you would never otherwise compare persona 5 to smt3 nocturne yeah. like there is really yeah. yeah i mean persona 5 tackles heavy themes but like i do honestly like one of the things that i think strikers like nails that i i wasn't expecting because i was very iffy about you know outside of it just being like a musou game in general which like i i'm i'm in or out on i i like some yeah. i dislike others um but i was iffy on about persona because i was like oh no i i like the persona turn-based combat a lot what i realized playing strikers and i think we might have talked about it on the show i don't remember is like what the real-time combat does in that game is it makes it cinematic in the way that the rest of the game is like the whole yeah. the whole game is theatrics until you get to the turn-based combat which like becomes theatrics in the moments when they like have those like quick moments it's like the showtime moments yeah or or like the the handoff moments or the one mores or whatever you know like all of those little beats are very theatrical but the actual like just going through the menus picking what you're going to do like that's not as theatrical even Stri the menus are like incredible right the, me yeah. the menus have to be like wildly designed <laughs> to make up for the fact that it's like turn-based combat right and strikers manages to do both like strikers manages to have that like wild incredible inventive ui and also feel theatrical and cinematic because you are like making the, you're pushing the action forward second to second. I really appreciate that about Strikers, and I would like to see that carry over to Persona. I think that's like a really natural fit. Weirdly, yeah, I was. It makes sense. That was a complete 180 opinion wise for me. I'm, I'm me too. I'm shocked they came out the other end. In the same way, I feel about Yakuza. Like I can't believe because I was a big fan of Judgment, and I couldn't believe going into Yakuza like a dragon that I preferred it with turn based combat. Like yeah, it just feels like picking up a fucking moped and, and hitting a guy in the head with it is like what Yakuza is all about. And weirdly enough, I love picking a spell where I get to like belch bourbon onto a guy. And well, it it's fire. cinematic in a different way where you're choosing how the scene plays yeah. out almost. Yeah. I mean, it's also like following the creative inspiration of where the series are going. Yes. You know, where it's like as Persona becomes more. And I think like I love turn-based combat. I don't think it's like less than real time. I totally agree. But I think like you said, with the, the direction of Persona, I think that like uh, we talked about this on the episode about Strikers. I'm still early on that game. I really want to get farther in, but I've just been busy. Um <laughs> But I think, like, Strikers really does just feel like a Persona game with real-time combat. Yeah. And honestly, other than the amount of enemies that are on the screen, I wouldn't even say it feels like a Musou game either, based I on agree. what I've played, you know? And like, there's, an, there's enough Persona DNA in that combat in terms of, like, 
just like even the elemental weaknesses and stuff yeah but like it feels more like you're playing persona than anything else you're still leveling up and like choosing abilities and yeah. everything it, the only that's not there is like the life sim part yes um which like if that was there it would be like it would be like a perfect video yeah game. yeah <laughs> <laughs> it'd be too powerful yeah it's really wild it's yeah. it, it's a shocking thing a lot of smt stuff on the horizon there's a there are a lot of games on the horizon which is exciting because it's kind of been a slower year so far yeah. but like yeah you and i were talking you know. earlier before i picked you up just like it feels like there's a lot of stuff on the horizon like it feels like 2021 was going to kind of be a bust year just because of the way the pandemic affected development sure, all that kind yeah. of stuff and like that has not been the case yeah. i mean even like just this next week yeah you you and i had a theory i don't know if we ever talked about this on the show either but you and i had a theory that um indie games were really going to pick up the slack this year i think because yeah. like uh, you know a lot of like big AAA development studios we heard you know like actual reports from those studios that like they had a really hard time switching to remote work and that's not as much the case for a lot of like more nimble smaller indie studios and i thought that that was going to be the case but it really seems like triple a is also fucking bringing it so we just kind of get a good year of video games <laughs> across the board yeah. again which i just wasn't expecting which is nice I'm, I'm excited about that and i think e3 is going to be like kind of shocking you know like i there's gonna be a lot of stuff dropping this year that we don't even realize you and i were talking earlier i, I think yesterday or two days ago about uh, sony's lineup and like you know they pushed god of war to 2022 or later Horizon Zero Dawn just got pushed to 2022. Uh, Gran Turismo... Or I, I don't even think Horizon Zero Dawn 2 has a release date now that I'm thinking about it. And then Gran Turismo 7 also got pushed. So, like, there's no holiday game for Sony that we know of at the moment. And, like, there's obviously going to be one. So what is it? We're right. going to find out, like, in a week or two. Yeah. That's fucking cool. That's yeah. exhilarating. And, like, is Nintendo's just going to be Pokemon Diamond and Pearls remakes? Or is there going to be something else in there? Like, a lot of it's stuff been It's been interesting that I've seen a lot of ads suddenly for Arceus like yeah which comes out like real early next year. Yeah, it's so, like January or February. Yeah. So yeah. I wonder if they're like trying to just like squeeze that in as like the pseudo end of the year. Game. Yeah, but um, I mean, who like a friend of ours texted me being like, "What do you think Nintendo's going to announce?" I'm like, honestly, it could be Prehistoric Man is taking off the console and that's it. <laughs> uh, they and the thing about Nintendo is like they could very well just yeah. announce a new IP at E3. Like we have no idea. Yeah, totally. You know, like um, you and I were talking about how the last IP they made was Splatoon. I don't think it's going to happen. Like, yeah. That's that's not my guess. Arms, but, like, arms was the last one. Yeah. Arms is the last one. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, it, I, it's exciting. It's exciting not to know. Yeah. Um, so yeah yeah that's the thing and and i'll I'll say this as a person who like may, maybe we'll get into this more uh in our bonus episode uh about about you know e3 and summer games fest and stuff but like as a person who like is very locked into the realm of like rumors and and hearsay and whatever just like you know, tracking all of those things from like first initial potential leaks to like maybe it's real and whatever. Because I'm not, I'm not a person who cares that much about spoilers in that sense. I guess yeah. generally, it's been very interesting to just like not know a bunch of shit. Like it's been really fun to like have this complete like almost like fog of war like civilization <laughs> situation going on with what's happening at E3. Which like for better and for worse. Because like to be completely honest, like E3 just announced their lineup like a day ago, and that was that like came as a surprise to like most games journalists who like have to work and like figure out their schedules for how to cover e3 which like sucks like that's not good but that said like e3 being so strange this year does make it like a complete unknowable entity yeah and nintendo's the last day yeah as if they couldn't like add more like unnecessary (laughs) to whatever prehistoric man announcement is coming up yeah i'm (laughs) i'll just say like the rumors i've seen about what nintendo is gonna have are like so out of the box and weird that like like, I saw one, I guess skip forward if you don't want to know this stuff, because I don't know if it's true, but, like, whatever. Like, I saw one that was, like, yeah, the next Mario Kart is in the works. I actually thought that, because I'm like, is the, is the like, toy cart one, like, a, a hint of what's to come? It, it's So, the idea that I've seen uh, float around is, like, they're making a new Mario Kart. It's not going to be Mario Kart 9, but it's going to be, like, a Super Smash Bros. Ultimate version of Mario Kart. Interesting. Where it's every track from every previous game, like, up Oh, wow. Except for the Super Nintendo one specifically, which will, like, keep their kind of, like, blocky art style, which is, like, a really cool thing. And they're going to add just, like, a shitload of characters. That's um, fun. And, I'm like, that. the unlockable things will be, like, outfits for those characters from, like, the history of Nintendo. Which, like, I is love a that. really cool idea. Yeah. Like, that... that honestly is like so outlandish on one hand but also so nintendo that like i could see that happening i mean it's been a while since uh mario kart 8 deluxe yeah man and is like still that game is incredible like it's so good that's still still 
Every, month over month, the top selling game on yeah. Nintendo Switch. It's like not a hot take to say the game is good, but I feel like Mario Kart tends to be like kind of written off as like almost Mario Party esque. Yes. But that game is incredible. Like yeah. it's so good. That game is, yeah, fucked up. <laughs> if I'm being totally honest. Yeah, hundreds of hours. In I wonder if we'll do, because I, I, in that game, like Splatoon characters and Link and Animal Crossing characters are yeah. in it. I wonder if we'll get more uh, Nintendo IP characters. That was what I was seeing. I was seeing some stuff that's like Captain Falcon's going to be in it and like a bunch of other things. <laughs> I'm not ready for Captain Falcon to throw a blue shell at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like stuff like that, you know, like I'm seeing a lot of rumors like on that caliber and yeah. like there's no way that it's going to live up to all that. But like yeah, <laughs> all the three houses in Mario Kart. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Should I talk about three houses? Because who baby? I'm back in three houses. Uh, I've been saying I, I kind of like loosely like Three Houses Summer is here, but like I'm back in it. I'm playing Black Eagles right now. I'm so happy for you. Finally doing my Everyone set. else is like loading up their 400 hour save again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was at uh, 69 hours exactly when I, when I when I launched uh, back into Blue oh Eagles. God. I'm over 200, man. New Game Plus, like an amazing experience. Oh, yeah. I was not expecting it to be as cool as it is. That's great. Yeah. Where they're just like, oh yeah, what if your professor level was all the way at the top right That's when you started? That's the thing to do. So yeah. you could go hang out with whoever you want every single time you have the ability to oh it's great so i'm doing black eagles it's so fun that house is amazing i went from being like i don't know if i like them as much as golden deer to being like i love all these people to death that's really like the game to death really does that like i feel like you choose any house and you're gonna have that hesitation yeah and then you end up like loving three casts yes it's amazing yeah i, I saw some other people in the discord uh also getting back into three houses this summer and I, I'm, I'm just saying three houses summer like is a thing <laughs> oh yeah if you want to talk about it with me go into the fire emblem chat in discord would love to chat about fire that emblem. game means so much to both of us i yeah. won't go into it again on my end at least yeah um but uh uh, I, I will say that, like, of all the games that you and I recommend and of all the games that I recommend to people, like, that is one that I feel like I can see, like, the happiness it brings on, like, a supernatural level. Almost. Yes. Like, my, my friends who have gotten into it, like, it really feels like it's, like, an inspiring work in that way. Yeah. Like, you know? like look, I, I won't get super far into it, um, but, like, I've been having, like, a really, really tough week in terms of, like, health and, like, mental stuff also. Um, and that was, like, really the impetus for me going back into Three Houses because yeah. it's, like, I feel comfortable in this game and I just, like, want to feel that experience of, like, spending a day in the monastery, like, figuring out who to talk to and who to hang out with. Like, that'll, like, really take my mind off all the shit that's going on. Um, um, and it's been so good. Yeah, it's been great. so good for me to like spend my nights and days just like playing that game again in like a really like lose yourself to time way, the same way it happened the first time. Yeah, um, which has been really great. And honestly, it was like finishing Awakening. It was like, what do I do next? And the and the ideas were like, do I go into Fates? which I have, but, like, I've only played, like, an hour or two of and, yeah. like, kind of bounced off of. Or do I go back and play the other fucking, I would say, two and a half thirds of three houses that I missed, you know? Um, and, and three houses was the obvious you choice. You made the correct choice. Dude, going from Awakening to three houses is shocking. Yeah, I can only imagine. Even just, like, down to the UI, I was like, oh my god, these fonts are great. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, even... Like even the fonts are shocking. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm so happy to be back in three houses. I can't wait to to finish this. That's run. music to my and ears. And honestly, I might like finish Black Eagles and then wait another year or year and a half to go back into Blue Lions. Like make that you know just I like an ongoing experience. Unless and here's the big unless. Unless they announce a new Fire Emblem at E3, in which case that's it. I'm fucked, and I gotta finish yeah. all of it before whatever that is. I think the rumor for that, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you're the you're the rumor guy. <laughs> but uh, and again, skip ahead if you don't want this. But the rumor for that is a remake of Path of Radiance, right? Yes, I saw some stuff yeah. about them potentially porting the Wii stuff. Well, I think that's GameCube. and the GameCube stuff. Yeah. yeah, both of them. Oh my god, yeah. they're sequels to each other, right? Yeah, um, it's with Ike. Yeah, I saw I saw some stuff about them potentially like porting both of those as like a double pack. Over over to the switch which like feels like an obvious choice in the same like in the same way that like smt3 nocturne is out just to like tie people over and get people introduced to the franchise for smt5 like yeah. it makes a lot of sense to like okay you love three houses like here's something to hold you over until the next thing right 
But honestly, the thing that I've been thinking about a lot with Three Houses and replaying it, we haven't taken a break at all. Yeah, uh, I'll need one in a second, but please okay, yeah. feed uh, me with Three Houses. <laughs> the, the thing I've been thinking about a lot with Three Houses specifically, and, and shout out to Matt in the Discord for linking to a great podcast called Lore Party, uh, which I would absolutely recommend listening to. They did three episodes on Three Houses, uh, which is perfect. Are they trying to one-up us? Yeah. <laughs> like, challenge accepted. Um, it's, it's a show where the two hosts just like go really in-depth on the lore of, yeah. of stuff. That's um, cool. And and you know play things specifically to like try and like dissect that and like figure out like what the politics of this game are and like what's really going on with a lot of these characters and, that's cool and the three houses stuff was really cool they, they're doing it this year which is cool they're like playing three houses for the first time this year and they have three episodes one of them is about like the feminism of certain characters and like which ones are leading more towards like first second and third wave feminism which is like really fascinating um and like how those like intersect and some of them like are not intersectional yeah. at all and it gets like really fucked up um really great episode um there's another one just about how, like, Rhea is a cult leader and, yeah. like, the church is a cult and, like, it's really fucked up. Um, and there's another one that's an interview with uh, the voice actor who plays Claude. Oh, fun. Talking about specifically, like, his headcanon and, like, what it was like to record the the voice lines for that game and, like, the direction that he was given um, and how that influenced the way he played that character. It's fascinating. That's really amazing. cool. And in, pl- in listening to those three episodes and playing the game currently, the thing that's really fucking me up is like how much writing and thought went into this Everything. game. Like, yeah. I appreciated this game. Obviously, it was our like game of the year that year. I-, I loved it to death. I played like 69 hours of it in like maybe a day. And that somehow. was also like, that was your first Fire Emblem. So it was like a big deal that you like liked it. was the first it one that I loved. It. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I've, I've tried like four or five of them along the way. Yeah. But that was the first one that like I got into it and I could not put it down until yeah. it was done. That game i i am learning to appreciate on a completely different level specifically playing the the black eagles because like even certain scenes that i remember being like tutorialization scenes have slightly different dialogue yes to like skew you against or for certain people in ways that i am like sh- just shocked i think by. one of the one of the things i didn't realize until i think at least my second playthrough um i've done all three houses i haven't done this alternate route for black eagles yeah um, but uh the first missions like you know no matter what house you choose the first battle is a scrimmage um yes and then this the first like real mission that the church sends you on yeah you're fighting bandits right Every single character, the first time they kill a bandit, they have, like, a line about it. Yes. And, like, it's really easy to miss that the first time. And the second time, like, oh, my God, this is, like, they've thought about how every single character would react to murdering some murdering yeah. someone for the first time. Yeah, and what's you know? wild is, yeah, so you have that in the the battle itself, and then you have that in the monastery section afterwards, where yeah. all of them have, like, every character in your house has, depending on which house you picked, has retreated to a different section of the monastery that they feel, like, safest in to, like, yeah. try and cope with that. Yeah. Um, and some of them, to be perfectly honest... Like, are into it. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> you can is... guess who in the Black Eagles. <laughs> it's not subtle. <laughs> yeah wild it yeah. was it was wild to like shoot someone in the head with bernadetta and watch her break down and then have hubert be like oh yes. yeah <laughs> I, I, give me another <laughs> one of my favorite screenshots is uh hubert learning a spell and i just said hubert learned death and he goes it was all in the hand you know, like, <laughs> hubert learned death is like my poster in my room above my bed um anyway point being three houses fucking owns <laughs> I recently shook up the Discord in a big way by saying that it might that I think it's the best Nintendo Switch game, and uh, then I had to leave for like five hours, <laughs> and I and I came back and our Discord was like pretty much on fire. On fire yeah. <laughs> um, I still I still need to mull that over, but uh, boy, I would I would playing say the second route make me think that that is the case. Yeah, I, at the very least, narratively, yeah. I would say. I think it could be argued. I think. We don't have to get into this. Also, Brennan, you're talking to me. Like, I'm like a sponge that has been like squeezed dry of Three Houses thoughts. I don't know if I have anything more to say about it, which I'm actually surprised we have talked this long about it. And I, I love talking about it. And that's why I love like whenever I have friends who are playing for the first time and like seeing how they think of characters and like how that changes and how that will change in the time skip or how that will change if they like recruit someone into a different house and yeah like, and then that goes back to you, you know your observation of the level of writing where like sylvain in the blue lions versus him in the black eagles very different yeah um yeah uh which is really fascinating yeah i mean the bar is so high you know we talked about in our awakening bonus that came out that awakening was supposed to be the swan song for fire emblem right and like 
thank God it wasn't because you know now Three Houses came out and our, and our first. There's an older episode. I think it's season two. Uh, Infinite Stratego is like yes. our first thoughts playing this game. If you want to go back and listen to it about Three Houses, but like my gut feeling was like this is like the Breath of the Wild to Fire Emblem. That was like my first feeling was like this is like yeah. the next chapter. And a lot of what we talked about in the Awakening episode was like, what do you want to see from the series going forward? Because I do think enough time has passed for me to be like, I love Three Houses narratively and I love what they've done with the quality of life improvements. But I do miss like the maps and the strategy. And yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's so easy just to like mesh those two and have like the perfect Fire Emblem, yeah. in my opinion. Oh my God. So we'll see what happens. I could talk about this forever, but we need, <laughs> we need to take a break. Yeah. That we have to take a break. Great. I'm just, I'm so energized with you being here. It's so. <laughs> It's so cool to be in the same room. It's great, man. I can't believe we get to record this yeah. together. We've been uh, living burned out of life for a while. It's yeah. nice to be uh, a little bit of Hilda now. It's great. Let's take a break, and then we'll come back and uh, talk about um, some games that you and I have been revisiting. <laughs> Sounds good. That aren't Fire Emblem Three Houses. for the All right. Switch. Fine. See you soon. Hello, we're back. Although, we're going to leave. It was cool to have you here to record in person. Yeah, man. This is awesome. I had such a great time. Yeah. What a cool thing. I think we're cutting it short because, A, we have to go uh, entertain some guests. It's not on my place. Why am I saying entertain some guests? <laughs> um, but uh, we we lost track of the time and we got to go. Uh, but uh, I think we're also like needing to stop now because otherwise we wouldn't leave this room. You know, I think that you and I would record for like four or five hours <laughs> if we didn't have other things to do. Yeah. What this is, like we're excited to be together again. So, but I'm, I'm glad this worked. I, I, I hope it sounds good. It was enjoyable to revisit old favorites in person together. Yeah, you know? uh, I, I am excited. I think you might be coming back later in the summer yeah i think so which if that happens we can record in person again which is nice yeah um, i hope that works out yeah i'll let you know the more in-person episodes the better <laughs> how I feel about it. anyway that said uh thank you all so much for listening to the show uh as usual hey if you're interested in backing the patreons patreon.com slash into the cast as we say every week and have since we launched it if it negatively impacts you financially in any way please do not back the show um, but it is definitely worth mentioning that uh, this month will be the first month that has a patron bonus episode specifically. Yeah. Um, and I think we're pretty much set on it being an E3. Yeah, like an E3, like Summer Games game. Fest. Just like yeah. Summer of Games yeah. experience. We're going to try to not have the patron episodes be like too game specific and that we don't want it to feel like uh like you're missing the show yeah um but it, it just felt, felt like the first one should be like a big fun one exactly and we already have like enough but like we have our planned bonus for this month and we have like a season premiere planned yeah. and that will be for everyone obviously should we announce all of that oh you want to while we're in person yeah why not let's do it that's <laughs> it seems like a fun thing to do speaking of e3 here are indoctrinates <laughs> oh boo no, we actually have some stuff that we're really... Oh, my God. I can't believe you... We've been working on this for so long. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. So, the bonus for this month of June is going to be A Link to the Past. I'm actually amazed we haven't done more Zelda games faster. Yeah. Like, we have now done over 20 bonuses, and our only Zelda bonus is Breath of the Wild. Yeah. It almost feels, like, sacred to touch, you know? I agree, yeah. Um, Link to the Past is kind of interesting because I feel like you and I don't have a ton of experience with it, but it is so, like, defined as, like, yeah. the template for Zelda. Yeah, we're, weirdly, I'm, I mean, so in line with our talk about Dragon Quest Five or, sorry, Dragon Quest Three and Shin Megami Tensei Three. like, Link to the Past was like, oh, shit, we, yeah, we nailed it. We did it. Never deviate from this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even more than the first one, which, like, was full circle, a dungeon crawler. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so I'm really excited for that. I think I'll be playing the Game Boy Advance version. Yes. Which leads us... That is us, what I'm playing as well. Yeah. Which is basically a port of the Super Nintendo one. I'll look up what the differences are, but, you know, whatever. But I bring that up because that leads us into the very exciting announcement. I have been bursting at the seams to, like, <laughs> leak this myself on a secret Twitter profile. Uh-huh. Uh, those who have been listening to the show for a while know that the start of Season 1 was E3. The start of Season 2 was E3. And the start of season three, because E3 got canceled and a number of other things, we actually did like a whole, uh, we went on itch for that bundle that we went through. And like, that was really cool because like, there were a lot of games in that, like you and I had no idea what they were. And we kind of went through and like chose which ones really worked for us. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, it was a really cool time. And we were wondering what to do for the season premiere of this one. Because like, even though following E3 and like doing an episode about E3 has always been fun. It's never been like, it always kind of felt like a placeholder for the season intro, mm, you know? Yeah. Uh, so what we decided is for this, for the season premiere, 
season four, Brendan and I, for the last at least six months, <laughs> have been playing through a ton of the Game Boy Advance's library in preparation for a Game Boy Advance specific episode. So basically, when I say through the library, I mean like dozens of games. Yeah, I played I'm, I'm gonna over be, 50 games. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. Like we have played what I would consider to be every game of note for the Game Boy Advance. Yeah. Is what it feels like. I mean, I the amount of like lists of like top 100 Game Boy Advance games, you know, across the internet from like blogs big to small that I've consulted and like boiled down to a list of like 50 or 60 games that I wanted to check out. I mean, I the amount of time we put into this is like shocking. And what's really cool is like before we've even announced this, like we because you know, our rule was like, okay, we're not gonna not bring up like we're we only have so much time in a week to play games. Yeah. If we're playing a Game Boy Advance game in preparation for this episode and we really love it, we'll bring it up. Yeah. That's why you might have seen Metroid Fusion show up. Right. You know, uh Mother uh, Three got I'm a not, whole bonus. Mother three got a whole bonus. So like we've been pretty open with like us playing the system, which honestly has kind of reinvigorated like an interest in the system and the discord. Like a lot of people yeah. were posting pictures of them, like getting a 3DS, a Game Boy Advance and like checking out games for it. I mean, you don't really need a huge push. It's an incredible system and it's been so cool to go through the library. So basically we're going to have like a goatee structured episode about the Game Boy Advance or Brendan and I in our time playing all these games. We'll each have a list of our 10 favorites and we'll share that with each other, and then we'll settle on five for the show. But really, it'll just be a really cool way to like honor that library, and we'll we'll talk more about like how our preparation worked for it, and like what we think of the system, and like it's a very unique place in Nintendo's history. And honestly, I think a lot of our aggravation with game preservation with Nintendo is like largely about how little Game Boy Advance there is, like yeah, outside man. of the one that was made for us by our friend Kyle. But yeah, it's just been weird that like you know. There's a lack of it for, for pretty much every console, but it's like GameCube and Game Boy Advance, there's like almost nothing on the Switch for. Yeah. And and very few easy ways to get it. So it's been really cool to do, and I'm just like very excited to have that conversation with you. Yeah. I, I mean, I this is like such a stupid undertaking in a way that like sitting down and being like, yeah, we're going to play every Game Boy Advance game <laughs> is like... What a dumb idea, but, like, it's been so fucking cool to, like, actually be like, no, 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 let's actually do that. Yeah. Um, it's been, like, an amazing experience. Uh, you've heard me talk a lot about, like, the emulation handheld that I got. Yeah. Our, our friend Kyle Starr built us, uh, and AJ, uh, like, custom Game Boy Advances that are, like... Backlit screens. Yeah, amazing. Backlit, like, just, like, amazing, amazing handhelds. So we've been able to play a lot of the stuff also, like, on the actual console yeah, itself. Yeah, I, I have a lot of my... I saved most of my cartridges. Me so too, like, weirdly. I had I, I went to my parents' house and found like just a whole box of Game Boy Advance games. I will say this though, like in spite of the fact that like there is very little preservation on Nintendo's end, like the emulation like technology for Game Boy Advance is like pretty divine. Yeah, like, it's it's done. So yeah. even though like, <laughs> like you can't yeah. pay Nintendo for it, and they're not letting you pay them for it, I don't feel bad saying download it because like yeah, yeah, yeah. the work that's been done on various emulators is like incredible. Yeah. So like, and there's some of this stuff that like really needs to be preserved and should be played. Um, I mean, like, one wild example that I'll just throw out is this one game that uh, Hideo Kojima worked on. It's called Boktai, The Sun is in Your Hands. Yes. Which is a game that, like, had a solar sensor built into the cartridge, so you had to, like, leave it out in the sun to charge up a solar battery so then you could use the actual battery energy that you you stored up throughout the day, the real life day into charging up your like magic abilities in game. Like that stuff is so fucking cool. Yeah. And is completely inaccessible to anyone in 2021. Yeah. Unless you emulate it essentially. Yeah. Like that's so upsetting to miss out on that part of history. And, and it's so cool to revisit it, you know, both like, via emulation and also like via emulation on the original hardware yeah um, it's been it's been a really cool experience it's been really like fascinating and i think you and i have kind of like opened the door to like potentially doing this for other consoles eventually because we did it for the game boy advance and it's been so fun yeah it might be like our season opening thing i'm yeah. not gonna commit to that right away but that is like we already have like a few contenders in mind for yeah. another time it's just been so fun yeah. and so rewarding um and and has allowed me to check out a lot of games that like i had always 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 
wanted to check out and like didn't really have the ability or like desire to or like really reason to, you know, like there was never a reason to like throw Mega Man Battle Network towards the top of the <laughs> list of games that I was going to play this week. But yeah. like, it was cool to like spend a couple weeks playing that. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to finally doing that episode. Um, we've been preparing for it for like months and months and months. And uh, I think it's going to be shocking. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be a really cool time. And there's even more we're not saying right away that we'll say on that episode. Yes, yes. Uh, so that will be like the middle of the month, roughly. I, I have a date in my calendar, but you know. Yeah, yeah. It, we, we plan the recording and stuff. It'll, it'll happen at some point in June. Yeah, it'll, it'll be the season four premiere. So, And as with uh, season three, we also have uh, the wonderful Scout who made our art for season three coming back to do the art for season four. Yeah. We've already seen some mock-ups of what that's going to look She's like. She's incredible. Just... Yeah. Uh, yeah. stunning we're, so yeah we're very blessed so so with us. yeah i don't know season four it's gonna be cool it's coming soon yeah i um it's out everyone knows now i can i can i'm at peace <laughs> can move on yeah but yeah it, it's cool and i think like again our show exists to celebrate games and it was really cool to have like a mission you know because usually it's yes. like just whatever we want and like every now and then there'll be trends like i think like a lot of this early year has been like dragon quest centric and like Mm -hmm. um you know going back to certain older rpgs and it's been largely retro for a while and obviously this is inherently retro but i think it is really important to like experience the history when you're also excited about like what's coming out and seeing like yeah what things have been directly impactful what things have been left behind that you want back what things are well left behind and forgotten totally what you know? yeah what things you loved as a kid that like revisiting without rose tinted glasses have like completely changed their meaning and tone and atmosphere and vibe and like quality yeah. <laughs> it's been like fascinating actually my, my whole spiel about uh sonic advance recently and like sonic as a franchise like came from me going and playing every Sonic game that was released for the Game Boy Advance. I think you can also connect the dots now, too, that one of the reasons I did my Emerald Nuzlocke was to play Pokemon Emeralds. Yes. So... Which I was also doing simultaneously, but not talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was fun. Um, So the secret's out. I think... I don't know if it was obvious, but I think now that we're saying it, you can see, like, immediate evidence. Yeah, Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, Anyway, that's coming this month. It's very exciting. Yeah. Uh, I've been having a great time with it, and uh, I, I, I hope that you, dear listener, also have a good time with it when it is released there's so much more i want to say but i'll save it for the episode because i just think that's such a me too cool i'm i'm like i, I yeah. just really want to get into it me too we'll save it i'm thinking about metroid right now <laughs> anyway bottle it save yeah. it keep it for later let's stop this episode so we can go oh my god yeah we have to go yeah <laughs> we wanted to wrap up and here we are uh goodbye dear we listener you. yeah we love everything. you so much we'll talk to you soon yeah see ya so long